Greetings, brothers and sisters. How are you? We're going to start in Luke chapter 1 tonight and then work our way to Matthew, back to Matthew chapter 1. So open your Bibles to Luke. There are some folks that come on Wednesday night and they don't get a chance to come on Sunday morning. So I want to go ahead and make this announcement to the Wednesday night group. We are having our water baptism this Sunday. So if you've never been baptized in water uh, as a believer in Christ Jesus, there's a place for you to sign up there in the lobby right there at the information booth. And that will be taking place this Sunday at the Westside YMCA from like 5.30 to 8.30. So you have that opportunity. Okay, Luke chapter 1. Everybody there? Everyone? Everyone there? Everyone bring their Bible? Everyone got a Bible? All right. It's Bible study, right? Wednesday? So Luke chapter 1. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you that you are the consistent, constant one in life. Everlasting. Never changing. And Lord, we thank you for your great power, and we thank you that in your word we see you moving in wonderful, mighty ways through normal, average people like us. How exciting to think that you would use normal, average people like us. And you still desire to do that. Lord, bless our time this evening in your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, Couples that are expecting today, they're putting on uh, special little parties. Have you heard of this? They're called gender reveal parties. They become very popular. Here's how it works. The couple goes into the doctor at the time where they can do the sonogram and the sex can be determined. Uh, The sex is determined, but the doctor doesn't tell the parents. Instead, the results are put in a sealed envelope. The parents then take that sealed envelope, without knowing what the sex of their child is, to somebody who's going to do some kind of a a service at a party that they're going to have with family and friends. So maybe you'll get a cake, and when you cut into it, it's pink. What does that mean? Girl. Or if it's blue... Boy, or you might get a balloon, and when you pop it, if the stuff that comes out is pink, girl, blue, boy, and everybody finds out it's pretty cool idea, actually. There's a couple in Tucson a couple years ago, April 23rd, 2017 to be exact, and they had a gender reveal party. Um, they went out and gave their sealed envelope to somebody who works with explosives. And they got an explosive called Tannerite. And the instructions were, you know, if it blows up and there's blue smoke, boy, pink smoke, girl. So they did this, and they went out into a desert south of Tucson, set this thing up, And blew it up, and I have an actual picture of what the result was. 
Blue. It's a boy. Awesome. Except they also started a fire that burned 45,000 acres, burned over six days, and took more than 800 firefighting personnel to contain. Oops. And that case was actually decided. They had to pay $100,000 and $500 a month for the next 20 years. I think they probably wish they would have had a traditional baby shower, don't you think? Or at least give out some kind of baby announcements by mail. Tonight, we are going to look at three baby announcements in the Gospels. And these are the most important baby announcements in all of history. And they're absolutely lovely stories. They're wonderful stories. And talk about starting fires. The babies in these announcements would spark fires in history that still burn to this very day. Let's look at the first one. It's verse 5 of Luke chapter 1. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So you have this beautiful, elderly, godly, married couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth. They both uh, have lineage that trace back to the priestly family. And they're godly. It says they're righteous. It says that they walk in all of the commandments and ordinances of the Lord. And, and they're blameless. So think of this, this precious, precious couple. And yet they have struggled with bitter heartache for most of their marriage. Because they have not been able to have children. Elizabeth is barren. I'm convinced that they prayed about this all the time, but they have not been able to have children. Uh, This would impact their future. People would sort of look down on them with reproach. And now they're old. They're beyond childbearing years. But boy, does God have a surprise for them. Look what it says in verse 8. So it was that while he, Zacharias, was serving as a priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Now, you you need to understand here that Zacharias was given the opportunity of a lifetime in this passage. This is his highlight, the highlight moment of his career as a priest. Chosen by lot to go into the holy place of the temple... To burn incense 
to pray for his people for about an hour and then to come back out. Now, I say that that was an opportunity of a lifetime because at that time there were 20,000 priests. And the 20,000 priests were divided up into 24 shifts. And each shift actually served in the temple in Jerusalem for two weeks every year. Now, they offered those prayers and the burning of incense every morning and evening, every day of the year. And every day for each time, a priest was selected by lot to go in. So I did a little math. Each shift... 833 priests. Two weeks a year, 28 of those priests would be chosen by lot. 3.4%. So you can see how most priests never got that opportunity in their entire career as a priest. Zacharias on this day was chosen. And I can see him being so excited. I can see Elizabeth being so excited. Oh, honey, I'm so proud of you, right? And it comes his time. He walks up the stairs. He goes into the holy place all by himself. Nobody else in there. There's the candelabra to the left. There's the table of showbread to the right. The altar of incense right before him. And he goes and he starts to burn incense. And he begins to pray. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled And fear fell upon him. Can you imagine going in there? You're supposed to be the only one. And all of a sudden this angel. It says fear fell upon him. Literally he was terrified. Verse 13. But the angel said to him. Do not be afraid Zacharias. For your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth. Will bear you a son. And you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. What a baby announcement. Don't be afraid. Zacharias, you and Elizabeth are going to have a baby boy. And you're going to call him John. And you are going to rejoice. And by the way, many, many people will rejoice Over your son. Why? Verse 15. For he will be great. In the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine. Nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many. Of the children of Israel. To the Lord their God. He will also go before him. In the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Who is this son? John the Baptist. 
Your son is going to be great. Your son won't touch wine or strong drink for his whole life. In other words, he'll be completely separated and consecrated to God as a Nazarite. Your son will be filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb. And here the angel says to Zacharias, Your son will fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament that predicts a forerunner. An advanced man will come before the Messiah. Your son will prepare the way of the Lord. And the angel actually quotes from Malachi chapter 4 verses 5 through 6. About this messenger that would come in the power and spirit of Elijah. Now you remember I told you a couple weeks ago in our introduction to the New Testament. Malachi 4, verses 5 through 6, the last verses of the Old Testament. After those were written, God was silent for the next 400 years. No prophetic revelation. Until this old priest gets chosen by Lot, goes into the holy place, and is given that revelation from Gabriel the angel. What a special place he got to be. Did he believe it? Verse 18. Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? Literally, I'm not going to know this. I'm not going to experience this. For I'm an old man. And my wife is well advanced in years. Now this is, Zacharias is a good godly guy. But here he's, I don't believe this. We're too old. Impossible. Verse 19, the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was spent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Wouldn't you want to be able to go out and tell everybody? Because he didn't believe. He becomes mute. And there's also evidence that he became deaf. Because if you read further in the text, they have to sign to him. To get his attention. Verse 21. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. All the people are waiting outside, and he's been in there a lot longer than that hour. Verse 22, but when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. Verse 23, So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, the two weeks are up, he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. Isn't that a beautiful story? She does conceive. She hides out for five months. 
she will give birth to John the Baptist on the eighth day of his life when he taken to the temple for circumcision that's when they give the boy the name and all the people want to name him Zacharias and Elizabeth says no no name name him John and and Zacharias give me a tablet give me something to write with his name will be John and as soon as he does that the Bible says his voice came back his hearing came back And at the circumcision of John the Baptist, Zacharias gives this beautiful, beautiful prophecy and song of worship. Incredible story. Beautiful story. Three things that sort of stand out to me from that story. Uh, Man, we are so privileged as New Testament believers when it comes to prayer. Back in those days, you couldn't get into the presence of God. You had a 3.4% chance. Guess what our chance is today as believers? 100%. 100%. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, the Bible says you can go straight into the very throne room of God. At any time, into his very presence. And request, pray. Oh, do we take advantage of that? And then I'm also struck by the fact in this story that I really do believe God rewards faithful service. I really do. Zacharias and Elizabeth are no doubt in their 60s. You start serving as a priest at 30. Here's a husband and wife that have gone through hard times in life, but they are just, they faithfully serve the Lord. Just faithfully, day after day, year after year, serving the Lord. And doesn't he get a nice surprise? He gets chosen by Lot. The angel appears to him. He's going to have a son, miraculously. He's the first person that any angel speaks to in 400 years. What a blessing. I think God rewarded their faithfulness. And I really, I really believe God rewards his servants. Just those that are faithfully plugging along, serving him day after day, week after week, year after year. You know, you read about when people give their whole life to a company and then they retire and they get what? A pen? Or a watch or something? Or a plaque? No. God gives you great retirement rewards. Faithfully serve Him. And then, of course, the other thing that stands out for me is when God tells you something, believe him. Right? Believe him. When God tells you something, no matter how impossible it might seem, believe him. All right, let's go to the second baby announcement. It's right here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, now what would that mean, in the sixth month? 
It's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. So she's with John the Baptist for six months. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. So here we're introduced to Mary, and it is so important, folks, that we understand how Mary is presented in the scripture. It's so important. What do we learn about Mary? She's from the city of Nazareth. Nazareth was a poor city. It was a despised city. Remember, people made fun of people that were from Nazareth. It was looked down upon by the wealthy. So she was poor. She was raised in very humble circumstances, born to a poor family. What else does it say about her? She's a virgin. She's never had sexual relations with a man. Pure, chaste, a virgin. And then what else does it say about her? She was betrothed. To a man by the name of Joseph, who was also from Nazareth and also probably extremely poor. Very important to understand how marriages took place in those days. There were three stages to it. First, basically the parents selected, arranged, and there was an engagement. Then when it got serious, more serious, there was a formal betrothal period. Mary and Joseph were in that stage. They were betrothed to one another. In other words, they legally became husband and wife without acting like husband and wife. They didn't live together. They didn't consummate their marriage. And that would be usually about a year period of time. And during that time, Joseph would be out building a house, getting ready to bring his bride. And then after the betrothal period, they would actually get married. And then live as husband and wife. Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Legally married. Without actually living together. Now that tells us that they were very young. Because that happened very young back then. Joseph was probably between 18 and 20. Mary was somewhere between 13 and 16. Think of that. A teenage girl in the humble, poor city of Nazareth. And Gabriel shows up and says, you are highly favored. You are blessed among all women. And why is she blessed among all women? Verse 30. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. 
He will be great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Do you see why she's the most blessed of all women? The angel says you're going to have a son. This son is going to be great. Verse 32, this son's going to be called the son of the highest. Think of that. That's a term of deity. The son of God almighty. Your son will be given the throne of his father David. Your son, Mary, will reign over the house of Jacob, the kingdom of Israel. And your son, Mary, will reign forever. In other words, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. The King of Kings. The Lord of Lords. Verse 34. Mary said to the angel, "Um, How can this be? Since I do not know a man. Now, this is not unbelief like Zacharias. Zacharias was like, no way, this is not possible. This is a young teenage girl wondering, how? She's a virgin. She's never known a man. The explanation comes, verse 35, one of the most important verses in all of Scripture. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now this is the most, this is the miraculous conception of the Son of God in the womb of the Virgin Mary. The virgin birth. How do you even explain it? It says, the power of the highest will overshadow you. That's the idea of the Shekinah glory of God will come upon you, Mary. The Shekinah glory of God would come upon Mount Sinai, uh, come upon the temple, come into the very holy of holies in the temple, this powerful Shekinah glory. In some way, the womb of Mary became like a holy of holies with the Shekinah glory of God. Conceiving a son, a baby, in her womb. Spectacular miracle. Jesus would have a real earthly mother. He did not have an earthly father. The virgin birth. And absolutely important. The New Testament teaches that Jesus is fully God, fully man. How? The virgin birth. 
The Bible teaches that Jesus was born without any sin. He did not have a sinful nature. He could not sin. And that's so important. You know what that's important? The substitutionary atonement of his sacrifice on the cross. Only a perfect one can die in the place. And Jesus was absolutely perfect without sin, without a sinful nature. How? The virgin birth. That doctrine is so important. So hard to understand. But absolutely true. You remember Larry King? How many of you remember Larry King on CNN? All right. He was once asked the question, if you could select any one person across all of history to interview, who would it be? King said he would like to interview Jesus Christ. And what would you like to ask him? King said, I would like to know if he was virgin born. The answer to that question would define history for me. Interesting. And you know, it really does. The spectacular miracle. God become man. In the womb of a young, poor, humble teenager. What a story. Now Mary's no doubt freaking out. So verse 36, the angel says to her, Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her, who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Here we find out Mary and Elizabeth are relatives. I know you're wondering, hey, listen, there's another testimony happening right down the road with your cousin or whoever. It's not impossible. Verse 38. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now this is what makes Mary so special. Look. She hears this incredible thing. And then she just says, You know what? I'm your maidservant, Lord. Let it be according to your word. What a wonderful example of faith. Okay. It is so, so very important that we have a proper understanding of Mary. Mary is somebody that we should admire. Mary is somebody that we should honor. We should certainly respect Mary. She is the most favored among all women. Why? Because of who she was? No, because of who she carried. But she should be absolutely respected and honored. However, Mary should never be worshipped. And unfortunately... Uh, There there are people that turn Mary into something that she was never intended to be. The Roman Catholic Church, I believe, has elevated Mary to a point where she should never be. If you look at the plain teaching of Scripture, the Roman Catholic Church teaches in this uh, uh, immaculate conception of Mary. Mary was sinless. 
born without sin. Is that true? Then the perpetual virginity of Mary. Absolutely not true. It's very clear in Scripture. She had normal relations with Joseph after the birth of Jesus. Two of their offspring wrote New Testament letters, James and Jude. Mary is sometimes referred to as the mother of God. Have you ever heard that? The mother of God. I think that's elevated way too high. She's the humble mother chosen by God to bear the Messiah in her womb. She has even been called the co-redemptrix, meaning that her and Jesus work together to redeem people. She's been called the mediatrix, the co-mediatrix. So she's mediator along with Jesus. She is thought of as somebody who's full of grace in order to dispense grace to others. When it says she's highly favored, full of favor, what does that mean? God was gracious to her. But it's been turned into this thing where she can dispense grace. There's even something called the assumption of Mary. When she died, she bodily and body and soul, was lifted to heaven and becomes the queen of heaven. And you pray to Mary and you get to Jesus through Mary. It almost makes the Trinity a four. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God Mary. Folks, that is not Mary. Mary was just a humble teenager whom God used in a wonderful way. And she's very humble and she's full of faith. Don't elevate her. You can go straight to Jesus. Amen? You don't have to pray to a saint. You don't have to pray to Mary. You can go straight to Christ. Okay. Luke also records something that I think is so beautiful. Look at verse 39. It says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Why do you think she went to go see Elizabeth? See if she was pregnant. See if she can confirm what the angel had told her. Verse 41, I love it. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which are told her from the Lord. What confirmation. And what two beautiful women. Two moms. 
By the way, I find it remarkable that when she gets there, John the Baptist is already doing his work in the womb. Pointing to the Messiah. A baby leapt. Did a little dance in the womb of Elizabeth. Too cool. Really, really awesome. Okay. One more baby announcement. And this one is in Matthew chapter 1. Turn there very quickly. Look at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Okay, Luke's gospel, we have Mary's perspective. Matthew's gospel, we have Joseph's perspective. And you remember last week when we studied the genealogy? Matthew traces the line up through who? Joseph. Luke's genealogy traces the line of Jesus through who? Mary. So it fits. Really nice. It corresponds really nice. Here's Matthew's comment on how Joseph feels during this. And how does Joseph feel? Now, this is a guy that I I, I try to put myself in his shoes. Can you imagine? I think he was heartbroken. I think he absolutely loved Mary. I think he fell in love with Mary. He's betrothed. He's been working on a house for her. Can't wait to marry her. And all of a sudden, she turns up pregnant. And can you imagine the discussion? She tells him what Gabriel, the angel, says. Do you think he's buying that? He hears it, and he decides, I'm going to divorce you. But I'm going to do it secretly. I'm not going to drag you into public. I don't want to take you through any of that. I don't want it to become a public scandal. I'm just going to divorce you quietly. I don't want to hurt you. And he's going to do that. Which is why Gabriel needed to visit Joseph too. Which he did. Verse 20. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What confirmation. Amen. Joseph, don't divorce Mary. The child is of the Holy Spirit. In fact, 
Joseph, marry her. Take her as your wife. Move from the betrothal stage and actually have her become your wife. That's what it says. Verse 22, So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Remember, Matthew's written to prove that Jesus is the Jewish Messiah to a Jewish audience. And so here he says, as you go through the Gospel of Matthew, exactly how those uh, prophecies are being fulfilled in Jesus. Verse 24, Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife. He married her. And did not know her. That's sexually. Till she had brought forth her firstborn son. And he called his name Jesus. Joseph, I got to tell you, he's a, he's a good man, isn't he? I don't think he gets enough press at Christmas time. Do you? Seems like we always forget Joseph, but what an incredible example he is. Very prudent, very wise. You see in the story that he's just and merciful. He's just, he wants to do the right thing, which is he needs to divorce. But then he's merciful because he wants to do it in private. Just and merciful. I like that. Most people move to different extremes. I, I, I meet a lot of people that are all just. Divorcer. Make it public. And then I meet some other people that are too merciful. And they don't really hold anybody accountable. You, you got you to gotta have a blend. And I think Joseph had that great blend. Just and merciful. And I also love verse 20. Look at that. It says, while he thought about these things. He thought. He's logical. He's thinking. While he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph. So here's a logical guy who thinks through things. But also open to receive supernatural revelation. Mystical revelation, you might even call it. A dream, a vision. Great balance. Again, I know people that swing to extremes. I know people that are just logical. If they can't understand it, if they can't make it, then, you know, uh, it's, they can't, and they throw away any type of mystical. And then I know people that are way over on the other stream, and they're mystical. And they're not going to do anything until they get a dream. Or some kind of a vision. The blend is needed. Think through it and be open to God communicating to you in a supernatural way. And you see that balance in Joseph. You also see a man who's obedient. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do. You also see a man under self-control. He marries her. And abstain sexually from her until Christ is born. Self-discipline. And 
He's a great husband. He takes care of Mary, doesn't he? And he's a great dad. Can you imagine being called to teach the Son of God? To be the foster dad of Jesus? I think Joseph, I think he's top drawer. I think he's a great example of a man uh, that we need to be, guys. He's a great example for us. So in these stories, do you see all these humble people and God moving in their lives and then being obedient? God moving in the lives of normal people. I love this picture. I just, I just love it. The two moms. I just wanted to put that up here tonight because I want to encourage moms. Motherhood. So important. You know, I know some of you and I remember the days when our kids were super young. You could, you could lose your mind on certain days, right? And it can be so hard raising up those, those kids. And maybe even going through a difficult pregnancy. Man, there's nothing holier than a mom. A Christian mom. I want to encourage you moms. You do holy work. You're important. And no matter how old your kids get, they need you. And you keep reaching out to them. This passage also reminded me of this. Life in a womb. Holy. My brother and sister in Christ, I believe the Bible clearly teaches that life begins at conception. And that which is being built, put together, knit together in a womb is life with great potential. John the Baptist was active at six months. Dancing in the womb. My brother and sister in Christ, I I really believe that as, as, as biblically minded Christians, we should stand for life in the womb. We should protect it. We should advocate for it. We should do everything we can to promote a culture of life. David said in Psalm 139, You formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. Motherhood and babies. Look what happened from those two babies. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes.
Father, I, I just feel it in my heart tonight just to pray for moms. I pray for my sisters. We live in a society that doesn't honor moms very much. I pray that you would lift up the countenance of my sisters here tonight and my sisters who hear this message later. Lift up the countenance of moms. Show them how important they are. And give them that tireless energy to raise kids, to work with them, to love them, to reach out to them. Every single child you give us is a special delight, a gift from you. Life. Lord, I also pray that you would help us as the church to stand for life, to advocate for life. Father, as your people, I pray that we would be humble men and women, that we would be obedient men and women. That we would faithfully serve you day by day, week by week. Lord, I pray that when you speak to us, we would believe you. Lord, I do pray that we would enter those prayer closets more often. And spend that precious time with you in prayer. How you've made, you've just given us such great access, direct access to you. Thank you tonight for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.